The standards don't tell you how to teach. They tell you what to teach. And so it's your job as the teacher then to take those standards and do what we call unpacking those standards. And so that means breaking that down into the different content that we're going to teach and then figuring out the best methods to teach those standards to your students. Welcome to Al Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Al Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders, Marshall Baker, Mike Ritalik, and Brian Myers. All right, Trey Easterly, welcome to Owl Pellets. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. We are so glad that you are here with us. To kind of get us going here, Trey, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then you can kind of tell us what we're going to be talking about today. Sure. So my name is Trey Easterly. I work here at the University of Florida as an assistant professor in agricultural education. Uh, I've spent a little bit of time uh, in a lot of places, North Carolina, Minnesota, New Mexico, um, a couple of different stints at the University of Florida, uh, working as a high school, middle school agriculture teacher. But now I get to work with folks in Florida who want to be high school and middle school agriculture teachers. Um, So I do research and teaching related to how teachers interact with curricular resources. And that's kind of the genesis of this study. Um, And then I also help to provide support for beginning teachers in the state of Florida. And so that's kind of another part of my job that I really enjoy and um, get to work with some really awesome individuals in that. Very cool. Well, as we get started here, you talk about curricular resources. Tell us, what, what are you talking about when we talk about curricular resources? Yeah, so curricular resources, just the stuff that we use to teach, right? And in agricultural education, we the word curriculum gets thrown around, or in education in general, the word curriculum gets thrown around. And what we mean by curriculum or what that word is means has usually to do with the word that's either attached at the beginning or the end of it. And so when when you throw out a word like curricular reform, that means that probably the standards are getting overhauled. If you're talking about curriculum adoption, then that means that people are deciding which textbook to use at the school district. Uh, And so I use the word curricular resource by slapping on that word on the end of curriculum to talk about the stuff that teachers use uh, whenever they decide what they're mobilizing to to teach for their students. So that's that's an interesting topic and we could spend probably the entire uh, podcast talking about curricular resources. So before we really tackle the study and some of the findings that you had, and maybe it goes right to the study because I know you would have to kind of conceptualize and, and frame what you mean by curricular resources. Based upon your experiences in several states that you mentioned, talk a little bit about some of the um, differences and some of the similarities that you saw in curricular resources as you move from state to state and then maybe transition into how you conceptualize that for the purpose of the study. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, some states have those standards that are adopted um, and some states do not. Like when I was teaching in New Mexico, they didn't have the state standards adopted. And so I was actually very thankful for the national AF and R standards 
that were adopted. Uh, but the standards don't tell you how to teach. They tell you what to teach. And so it's your job as the teacher then to take those standards and do what we call unpacking those standards. And so that means breaking that down into the different content that we're going to teach and then figuring out the best methods to teach those standards to your students. And so I've taught in states, like I said, that use, I use the AFNR standards uh, when I taught in North Carolina. They have a framework that they use to break that down and it tells you, um, you know, if it, if it says identify breeds of dairy cattle, it tells you which of the breeds you need to teach and what are the aspects of the breeds uh, that need to be taught within that standard and it helps, helps you unpack those standards. And then the resources are the materials that you would use to do that. And so, you know, going back to the breeds example here, there's no sense in creating a breeds of livestock PowerPoint because 384 people have done that and you can take those resources uh, and use those. And it's kind of a waste of your time as the teacher to work on the font on a PowerPoint when you can just kind of take that resource and adopt it. And so really, I think one of the big takeaways from both of these studies is that teachers should be professionals in how they use resources. And I talk about, I teach this with my undergraduate students, the FAM model for using and adapting resources. And I completely made this up, but it is based on some other people's research uh, and what they're doing. I just kind of repackage it in a different way. And FAM, F-A-M, is find, analyze, and modify these resources. And so find is you need to be intentional about how you're looking to find those resources and seeking these things out. Um, what are you looking for specifically and what sort of learning experiences do you want for your students? And then analyze them, look at them with a critical eye and see if they're worth anything or not, and then modify them to fit your students. And so change them up and make them fit for, for what you need. That's great. We're always, we always love acronyms. That's what we do in education. We can't do anything unless it has an acronym associated with it. So that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I was eating soup one day and it came to me. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. He says, I really like how you played that one up, Brian. Oh, bum. <laughs> <laughs> He's here all week, folks. Be sure to try the veal. Uh, no, this is great. So you looked, you looked kind of more intently at a couple different states here. So what, what did you find that they were doing there? And then let's talk about what the rest of us and how the rest of us can kind of learn from that. Yeah, absolutely. So you may come across these articles and be like, well, he's just looking at Utah or New Mexico. This doesn't have anything to do with me when I look at those states. But um, I think you can kind of look at what's going on in these states. And if you know some things about what's going on in the ground in those states, then you can figure out where that fits for them. And so how this came to be, I looked at Utah as kind of the pilot group for the study to make sure the instrument worked. Uh, and it did. And I was able to, to bring out some results for that. And then I implemented this in New Mexico and did the study there. I'm actually currently doing it in Florida where I work now to see how teachers use those resources. Uh, but uh, one of someone that you guys both know, Buddy Daimler in Utah, uh, has worked with the folks at Utah State University over the last several years and has done a really good job of creating and providing a resource for teachers in the state of Utah to use. 
And so they have a centralized curricular resource for their teachers to use. Um, it's actually, it's pretty well organized and pretty, pretty well laid out. Uh, New Mexico has something a little bit different for teachers. Um, it was the CART curriculum um, reworked and repackaged for teachers. And so they had CART, basically PowerPoints as kind of the content outlines is their central curricular for resources for teachers. And so it's interesting when you look at how many resources, we asked teachers, how many resources do you use? And had them actually click on as they went through that instrument, how many resources they use. And the average for the teachers in Utah is four resources. The average for teachers in New Mexico is eight resources. So we wouldn't expect teachers just in those two different states to be different other than what's provided to them. And, and there's something I think neat that we can look at within what's going on in Utah that they're using less resources. And then we look at how they rate the structure and organization of those resources. They really like the structure and organization of that resource that's, that's provided in Utah. I think those are those are great points and, and interesting to think about uh, resource utilization and um, and how it varies by state and kind of the philosophy of the state and, and those things. So what are some of the nuggets that you really pulled from the two that uh, would help uh, teachers in Iowa or before you do the research, teachers in Florida or any, anywhere else across the country? Um, well, one of the things that we, we looked at too, and I was working with a graduate student, Cassie Simpson in New Mexico, and she brought up this idea of efficacy and how efficacy plays into it. And and if you don't know anything about efficacy, it's basically how well you think that you are doing in teaching. So we put in an efficacy scale um, and took a look at how that related to the resources that they use. And we weren't quite sure what that meant, but then we took another step back and looked at which teachers had rated their efficacy as higher. Um, and we found that the teachers who had higher self-efficacy were going to resources that are more expert developed and expert driven. Um, and so things like USDA, um, they're using those sorts of resources. And those resources where teachers are um, kind of falling down and uh, just looking for ideas wherever they can find them, those had lower efficacy scores. So things like Pinterest um, had lower self-efficacy scores. And so I think you can kind of implement some checkpoints in your, in your planning process, whereas if you're intentional about your planning and you're doing a really good job of the find in the find, analyze, modify model, and you're looking for good resources and quality content because you know what you're going to teach to your students, you're in good shape. But if you go into Google and type in animal science lesson plan ideas, that's probably not a good start for you. Um, in that fine analyze and modified model. You, you, you probably messed up on stage one. And so I, I think it's the, jumping into it on the first step and thinking about what you're going to find and what you're looking for um, and being intentional about how you're looking for those resources. Yeah, my mind also goes and thinking about this tray from a standpoint of uh, statewide philosophy on curriculum and and this idea whether it's a statewide 
curriculum that's approved by a state versus, mm-hmm. you know, in Iowa, we're very local control. It's the state can't make the decision on curriculum that really needs to be made at the local level. And you really start thinking about the types of decisions that, that uh, teachers have to go through to find that uh, curriculum and whether they have the self-efficacy to analyze it. So certainly a really unique uh, situation setting and, and it'd be intriguing to see how you, as you look across more states, um, how the, the different curricula and the approaches the, the teachers really kind of uh, unfold. Yeah, I, I think we have a balance to uh, when we look at what the role of a teacher is, it's, it's almost somewhere on the continuum where on one end of the, the continuum, we can see the teacher and view the teacher as an easel, right? They're an easel for us to stand up this prepackaged curriculum. And if we do a really good job in planning curricular materials, we can put it on that easel that is the teacher and they can deliver it in the classroom well without changing anything with going with it. And then the other end, and I think this, we've gone this direction for a really long time in agricultural education, is we want our teachers to be the cruise ship directors, where they have to come up with every single cool idea. Um, they have to be super innovative in how they're planning and designing lessons and um, take the content headings and the content outlines and go to Walmart and buy a pack of 30 pipe cleaners and 20 marshmallows and all of these things to design really awesome instruction for for students. And there's problems with both ends of that, right? Like the expectation of the cruise ship director is it's too much for our teachers. They don't have time to do that for eight different preps a day and work with the FFA programs and roll out SAE um, for students. There's just not time in the day to do that. It's not a realistic expectation. But the other end of that, where they're an easel for prepackaged curriculum, the teachers that I work with and that I know are professionals and just using them as that package for prefabricated curriculum is, is not a good use of their time and talents and expertise and their skills and abilities. And so how can we develop resources that give teachers the tools that they need so that they can do meaningful things with their students but they don't have to create it all from scratch. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I, I, you know, sometimes our teachers spend way too much time in that find mode and they're spending all the time thinking about how, and they're almost curriculum development mode instead of preparation for class mode and lesson development. And so how do you, where, where's that sweet spot where the curriculum is available for them to, to modify and adapt and they can focus on instruction and delivery and student learning and engagement rather than than focusing on do I have the right curriculum do I have all of the necessarily necessary um, equipment and and tools and everything else along the way so I think that's a good point so you know Trey you're 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 looking at these things and you know we're talking about um, how much time teachers look in this fine mode, trying to find things. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff out there and there's a lot of garbage out there. And, you know, just in my own experience working with teachers and teaching myself, finding things, you know, finding materials was never a problem because you, especially now with the internet, you got a bunch of things to look at. It's just kind of sorting through this, this good piece of it. So what I'm hearing is some kind of, if, if there's a, a curated or some sort of place to kind of guide people for this. So, 
what recommendations would you have for state leaders, whether that be state staff, departments of education, teacher educators like us, to best help our teachers in that fine mode? Yeah, so I think the, the big recommendations and the takeaways there are to create resources that are going to help teachers teach. I, I don't know specifically what those recommendations are and how to make that more specific. And that's the, that's the exciting kind of next layer on the onion of the research that I want to do is figure out how to design these materials and how we can um, look at things. But I think there's a lot of different models out there um, that we can do. Um, I think one place to look at is Buddy Daimler. We've talked about him in Utah. Um, he wrote a, wrote a piece in Ag Ed magazine that talked about how they design and develop that curriculum in Utah. And it's not something that, you know, that is ready to go and take to another state because it's specific for teachers um, in there. But he talks about the process that he goes to do that. It's a long process of bringing in teachers to the table and having them help out with it and, um, and having folks read that and look at that. And so I think that's one recommendation. I think we can, the easy thing is looking at the organization and the outline of how we're developing these resources. One of the things that stands out as a really good resource in both papers is the National Ag in the Classroom. Uh, they do a really good job of laying out those resources and Maybe I just wasn't smart enough when I was teaching or I'm just now getting um, made aware of this. But when I thought when I was teaching, it was all for um, teaching ag literacy stuff to third graders. But there's some really good middle school and high school lesson plans in the National Agri Science or National Ag in the Classroom um, lesson plan bank. And so that's a good starting point. Uh, but I think we can do a better job. In, in the profession, and it's something that I hope to do work in is figure out how we can design resources uh, for teachers to use. I, I also think we need to take a look at this lesson plan PowerPoint model or developing this full prepackaged curriculum piece where we're going to plan out 180 days of instruction and give it to teachers and expect them to be at day 37 on day 37 in the classroom. Um, some of the other research that I looked at as I was doing this study and reading is when, when teachers are presented with that and, and they're put into these boxes where you teach this on this day or when it's a scripted out lesson plan, um, they, they don't do very well with the analyze and modify piece of that. And so it's really good for what we call offloading for oh my gosh, they're coming in the classroom in 30 minutes, I need something to teach. But then it doesn't help them develop as a professional long-term and it doesn't really fit into what the program needs are uh, for those teachers. Yeah, that's a great point. And so the, the other side I think about is get your thoughts and recommendations because all of us universities work on grant projects and usually at the grant, we're gonna, we're gonna develop a curriculum or a lot of our excellent partners in our commodity organizations, you know, the corn growers or the Cattlemen's Association or whatever else, they're, they're, they're wanting to develop a, a curriculum on something they're trying to do. W what advice would you have for those groups and the people that are developing these pieces to make them most useful for teachers in this um, FAM model that you got and from what you found from, from this study in your own experience? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. Um, 
that gets put in there a lot, right? There's a lot of money out there to design curriculum. I, I did some math to figure out um, how much the USDA has spent developing curriculum on all of their uh, different projects they have. And I gave up after I went through that a couple of years. Um, I would say bring on people who have an expertise in developing curriculum. If you have money in doing that, it's, it's more than just developing lesson plans and, and the worksheets to go along with them. Um, and then think about innovative ways where you can design resources for teachers that don't fit into just one day because we want our teachers to be thinking big picture about how they're planning resources or how they're planning their instruction for students. And we want them to move more towards planning units and things around um, courses rather than just, okay, one day I'm gonna teach this cool animal science activity and then the next day is food science and then the next day is this. And then, oh my gosh, it's Friday, we'll pop in a video. Um, so we want them to be thinking big picture and, and long range in their planning and then if all of the resources that they have available are this two-day fun activity, it's hard to put those two-day fun activities into something that's meaningful. And so thinking about ways where you can plan big instruction around units, around bigger pictures. All right, we've talked too much shop. I'm getting the shakes from, uh, uh, and I gotta share with our podcast listeners, you're going to find out a little bit about how the sausage is made, but uh, we're, we're recording this virtually, obviously, and I can see Trey, and behind him is a set of golf clubs. And as I work uh, in my office today, there's a blizzard warning going on, and uh, <laughs> I've, I've sat as long as I can looking at those golf clubs, and I got the shakes from uh, knowing that Trey is probably going to be golfing or has been golfing, and, and I'm sitting in a blizzard, so... I, I apologize, but I just couldn't control myself anymore. Uh, it's all right. Those are actually my Papal's golf club. So those are some persimmon head drivers and just office decorations. But okay, but, Sweet. but you come to Florida and, and we will get you out on a golf course, Mike. I'm looking forward to it. I'll get the first flight out. One of the many advantages of, of living and working in Florida, other than getting to work with great people like Trey, you get to, you know, you can golf or you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm actually sitting on my back porch recording this podcast right now. You probably heard the donkey in the background. Uh, so it's, 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 it's a great, great place to be. Donkey. We thought that was you, Brian. <laughs> I get called that sometimes. I, you, you beat me to it. <laughs> I know the reporting system. That's why I decided I better do it, Trey. Yeah. Yeah. Trey, this has been a phenomenal conversation. You know, curricular, curricular resources and what and how we teach is so central to what we're doing as teachers. And I, you know, I love the, the, your thoughts about the, looking at the big ideas and how that we can help support our, our teachers through this model of find, analyze, and modify. And I, I really hope our state leaders, those that lead teachers associations and state staff and university folks are hearing this to be thinking about really redesigning and rethinking how we put together curriculum and really supporting teachers um, and what they're, what they're trying to do. So thank you so much for being with us here today on Alpellets. Well, you're welcome. I, you know, I think the last word here would go to the ag teachers. We know that you have a lot going on. You guys are doing awesome things for your students and thank you. And we have heard you in saying that you need some help 
in planning and developing resources. So we're working on it. Um, and hopefully this research is kind of the first step towards that. Thanks, Trey. Yeah, thank you guys. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Socialize with us by following Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can join the conversation by adding your thoughts in the comments and sharing the podcast with others. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we'll look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.